uh, title, and they come up with some. I they come up with titles that are better than my sermons. I said, man, I I need to get the title for them. But but the thought or the uh, the focus this morning would be under house arrest. Under house arrest. And the past few weeks we have been reflecting on our words, on verbiage, on our vocabulary, our vernacular, things that come out of our mouth. And last week we looked at some of the promises that God's word has concerning if we learn how to talk right, if we learn how to speak right. James 1, 19. I might read it from the Living Bible. Dear brothers, don't ever forget that it is best to listen much, speak little, and not become angry. Listen much, speak little, and not become angry. When I think of that challenge in the scripture that James has blessed the church with the ability to listen, be quick to hear what's happening in the kingdom, but be even quicker to be slow to speak. That almost sounds like an impossible uh, scenario, but be careful what words come out of your mouth. I know that David said in Psalms to actually guard your mouth, to watch over some of the things that come out of your mouth. And I think as I look back through the years of life and through the years of ministry, I have learned that there are many things you cannot undo. You can't undo a baked cake. You can't undo a traffic violation. And you can't undo words that are spoken. The word says that they stay in the atmosphere until the second coming of Christ. I would not, I would not be surprised. Most of you that have been with me a long time heard me say this along several years ago, but I said the person that has the ability to, to speak into a microphone and for those words to be typed out as they come from his mouth will be a very wealthy person. I don't know, probably, probably Chris, Susan, probably Pastor Rhonda would remember and how crazy that in the past several years that very piece of equipment has been created and most of you have a computer that you can speak into and it will type out the words that are coming from your mouth. The next greatest, or what I would declare would be a great discovery or a great revelation would be to have the ability to go into the atmosphere and to pull out words that were spoken over a hundred years ago. Maybe some of the words by our forefathers, maybe some words by some of our, our late great family that actually be able to find the Gettysburg Address in its original, the way it came out of the mouth of Abraham Lincoln, four score, and you all know, you all know the I, hot rock, can you stand and quote that to Gettysburg? Neither can I, so, so, so you can't, can't anybody stand up. But we, but we relate, we relate to words spoken in the past, things that we've said that we wish we had not have said, things that in anger or frustration, the Bible says be slow to be anger, but usually when we get angry, we get mad. And last night I came in and I had a, I had a goal. I wanted to view this uh, DVD. I wanted to get it. I wanted to watch it. And I wanted to make sure I knew where to start it, where to stop it. And I couldn't get the TV volume to come up. I couldn't get the DVD player to come up. And I can't. And Pastor Rhonda is like a whirlwind. She's packing. We, we, have, 
we're having a house guest at her house. We've got to get the house ready for that. And she's like, she's doing like 80, 80 things. And she refused to stop everything that she's doing of importance and come in and get the DVD to work for me. So I had to go upstairs, get my own glasses. First of all, I can't see a thing. So I lost my glasses, couldn't find my glasses, and they were out in the car. When I got out of the car, they fell on my lap, and they're in the driveway. It's a miracle I didn't step on them. Anyway, that maybe even matter. Got my glasses, went in, and actually made it work by myself. I was so, I made it work. I was so impressed that I, that I made it work. But I remember before I made it work, I said some very unkind things to the remote. I mean, I, if that remote has a personality, it's been wounded. It needs counsel. It needs therapy because I just, you, it, it, is, it, is, it is funny, and especially with road rage. I was, I, was, I was talking to somebody on the phone, and this little black car just literally, literally cut me off. And had I not expected it, and I, I, I just, you, know, you drive defensively. Obviously, that's what I told Tatum last night. I said, Tatum, it's not you I worry about. It's all the other idiots out there on the road that... They're in a road rage, and uh, Angel and I were coming back from some, coming back from the from the woods, and this car got right on, literally right on my bumper. Now there was a season in my life I had a '65 Chevy truck that we called it the Beast, and it was bad to the bone. It was a pile of junk, and I remember on the 605 freeway there was a little Mustang tailgating, and I locked them down. I shut that truck down, and the guy bare, and I wouldn't care if because the, the truck was already a joke. But, you know, that, that's what he gets for falling so close. Can anybody relate? So we're coming around all these curves, and I'm already, I'm already pushing. I'm, I'm already going the speed limit. And this guy's right on me, literally maybe about 15 inches behind me, right on me. Then we get where the road goes into two, two he got an extra lane. And he zooms past me and looks over at me and, and tells me that I'm number one. And I told him that he was number one. And <laughs> not really, but I wanted to. So we all come up to the red light, and what is so funny, there we both sit at the same moment. He gained nothing, by, and, and, but, but when you're driving, I mean, I've seen the smallest, tiniest little young ladies turn into a horror movie behind the wheel. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's a, it's a demonic power that comes upon them that they, they feel like they're the king of the road, and how dare you stop in front of me, or how dare you turn, how, and it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just funny sometimes that... The, the smallest thing, I mean, you whack your, you whack your, you hit the wrong nail with a hammer and a little expletive will come out of your mouth or you'll back into somebody and a little expletive will come out of your mouth. I wish Donnie was here because I was on the phone to Donnie when I lost control of the, and we went off in the ditch. It's a miracle I didn't die. And, and Donnie said, the only thing I said was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Aren't you glad there is a friend that's sticking closer to brother and it wasn't damn or hell, it was Jesus. That's probably a good, a good thing. Especially if you're going to check out, the last thing you say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> but as we, as, we look at the, as we look at the word of God concerning the ability to guard your mouth, I'm reminded, first of all, about Isaiah. Isaiah was in a real tough place in his life. His uncle had died. He had lost the favor of the court. And the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. So as Isaiah sees God in his splendor, sees, sees a train fills a temple, sees the seraphims around the throne, just a glorious scene of worship and praise. And, and Isaiah declares, I am a man of unclean lips 
and I'm hanging around a generation that have unclean lips. In other words, Isaiah realized the words that had been coming out of his mouth were out of order. They were not correct. They were not words that edify and build up. They were words that tear down and discourage. And he actually acknowledged not only is my mouth out of order, but I'm hanging around people that their mouth is out of order. And you need to really, really be careful who you allow to speak into your life. I have learned in life, the best thing I have learned is that not to share any negatives unless I'm sharing it with somebody that can change it, that can make a positive out of it. I have learned to be careful not to just vent. I have very few people in my life that I can, that I can really call and vent. And Marcus is one, and obviously Pastor Billy is one. Those are probably the two voices my pastor went to be with the Lord two years ago. I really don't have a pastor right now that Pastor Ron and I would call our pastor, but we're, we're praying about um, a ministry to, to look after us. But it's nice to be able to call somebody and say, hey, here's where I'm at. Can you help me? But it's so frustrating to be all to be all disembobulated and to run your mouth to somebody. And then they turn and use it against you. Can you I mean, how what were they thinking? It's like they can't wait to get to the phone to tell your sorrow or your sad story or somebody done somebody wrong. So it seemed like they're in a hurry. I heard one person say, listen, I need to tell you this. You listen carefully because I promise not to repeat it. I like the cliche that says sometimes the only reason I open my mouth is to change feet. Can anybody relate? You say, you say some of the, some of the, I look back in life and some of the dumbest things have come out of my mouth and some of the dumbest, I told Pastor Ron, I'm not sure why, but I had, I had, I had the dumbest, I had the dumbest dream last night, probably one of the dumbest dreams I've ever had in my life. And it wasn't spiritual. There was nothing spiritual about it. I was with Perry and I was with Marcus and some things going on. And I just remember some of the comment. Isn't it funny how you wake up and you remember the dumb things you said in the middle of the night? Says, Man, what, where did that come from? What, what, did, what did I watch on TV before I went to bed? Anybody? I usually watch Jack Bauer before I go to bed. So my, 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 my dreams are all full of me shooting the bad guy with my Glock and, you know, doing, doing good and being a, all, all, all that and a, and a bag of chips. But Isaiah realized, you know what? When I see God for who he is and I see God for what he has for me, I'm realizing my, my words are out of order. I'm speaking the wrong. I, gotta, I need to turn this thing around. And when he acknowledged that his mouth was out of order and acknowledged that those that were around him, their mouth was out of order, the Bible says the angel took a coal off the altar of the apothecary and touched his lips, and his lips were, were restored, and the, his words were restored, and he was healed. And the next thing that comes out of Isaiah's mouth, after he has an encounter with God, listen, things change when you have an encounter with God. I was, thinking, I was thinking this morning, I was thinking of the word rush. I was thinking of the word buzz. Most of us relate to that, that word. We know what it's like to get a rush when we put uh, narcotics or alcohol in our body. We know what it's like to get a buzz. I think there's a rock group that's called Rush. And that's what their name means. It's, a, it's, like a, it's, when that, it's when that narcotic kicks in and you leave the state of normal and you go into that 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 uh, that ambiance of, of unreal, that, that, that buzz, that rush. And this morning, as I felt the buzz of the Holy Spirit, can you relate? I don't know. I don't know. If, but it was almost like a, it was almost like a 
fog machine. It was almost like there was just a layer of fog throughout the building. All of a sudden, different ones begin to respond differently. Some dance, some shout, some scream, some laugh, some fall on the floor, some go to the bathroom. I mean, people just, <laughs> you know, people just, you know, everybody responds differently when the, when the, when the buzz or the, or the, or the rush of the, sorry about that. But anyway, I saw like, a, like four people. How could they leave right now? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're having a move of God. I'm not sure what that's all about. But anyway, make sure and edit that before it goes to our podcast, Brother Austin. But, it, but something changes. Something changes when you encounter that, that supernatural spiritual high. Something changes. It's an overwhelming. It's like, you know, in my birthday, I opened up so many beautiful cards and, and actually read every single uh, word in the cards. And I feel a lot better about myself after I read my cards because I didn't know that I was all those things that you guys have declared. And now I've got to live up to the standard that you have spoken over me. Does that make sense? So when Isaiah received that, that freshness from the Lord and that anointing from the Lord, the next word that comes out of his mouth, God asks the question, who shall go and declare my word? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. What a, what a power, just think about that statement. Here I am today in the house of God, receiving what God has for me. I've been touched by the praise and worship. I'll be changed by the word of God. I'm going to leave this place with a different perspective. I'm going to leave with this place with a different mindset. I'm going to leave this place with the attitude, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I remember there were two frogs that fell into an urn of milk. One frog, his name was Mr. Can. One frog, his name was Mr. Can't. And so as they fell in this, this, this urn full of milk, the Mr. Can't frog said, well, it's over. So he just settled to the bottom and he drowned. But Mr. Can the frog, he kept swimming. He refused to give up. He stayed in motion. He stayed active. And lo and behold, he, he swam around that milk so much, he turned it into butter and jumped out and lived another day. What, what a great story of the ability to receive instruction, to receive word, and then to let it change you. I'm reminded of Job. When you look at the 42 chapters of Job, 40 chapters are pretty much three guys in Job declaring things, stating things, sharing things. Once in a while, God will intervene and God, God, will, God will make himself real. But when God shows Job that Leviathan, the, the crocodile, the demonic entity called Satan, was the one that was bringing him hurt and harm, Job's entire countenance changed. And here's what Job said. Twice have I tried to answer thee, but twice I have put my hand over my mouth so I wouldn't say something dumb. And there are a couple of dumb things that Job said. Job said, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I mean, what an oxymoron. How could you trust somebody that's trying to destroy you? But Job didn't know why he was going through what he was going through. He didn't know it was a test. He didn't know it was a place of promotion, a place of provision. And here we are 4,000 or maybe 5,000 years later, and we're still talking about Job. We're still, we're still encouraged by his story. He lost everything he had but his wife. He lost all of his kids. He hit rock bottom. He had a disease. He was dying. He had friends that were worthless, and, and, he, and, he, and he didn't have a Bible, didn't have a church, didn't have a phone. There was no one he could call. There was nothing that he could do to feed, to feed himself, so he had to feed himself with what he saw God through nature or however he encountered God. But when all of a sudden God reveals to him, I'm not slaying you. Here's the reason you're going through what you're going through. You're going through a test. And this test is going to be over when you pray for your friends. Pray for them. I'd want to cuss them out. Hello? 
I mean, when you look at this, they said, Job, you're, you're sick because there's sin in your life. Who are you to judge me? Well, Job, you're, you're sick because your conversations are out of order. I actually had someone 20, 31 years ago tell me that my daughter had heart disease because my confessions weren't correct. You know what? I want to be very careful what I say. And that's what we're talking about, being careful what I say. <laughs> Never mind. Hold that thought. <laughs> but I, I, stand in, I stand in reverence of fear of God. And I know that he understands my heart. I wouldn't serve a God that would allow sickness and disease to come to my family because my words are out of order. I, I would not. God, God knows us. He knows us where we're at, where we have grown in our relationship with him. He's very quick to forgive. He's very quick. To, I, think, I think God chuckles, and I'm, I'm going to share something that I just saw today. I've never seen it before in my life. It's something very, very funny in the Bible I want to share with you. But when I think about, when I think about Job, when Job was trying to answer and try to explain why he was going through what he was going through, when he stepped into a level where God started to speak, Job said, I need to, I just need to be, be quiet. I just need to, there are two ways to say be quiet in Spanish. There's cállense, por favor, or cállate la boca. What, what did I just say? Cállense, por favor, means please be quiet. Cállate la boca means shut your mouth. Sometimes it just becomes necessary in life to just shut up, just, just, just be quiet. Just, you know, when you go to see a theater, they tell you, turn your phone off, you know, to be talk. I mean, just, there's some seasons in your life where you really don't know what's going on. And sometimes it's better not to say a word than to speak something so dumb and so stupid and you begin to reap what you sow through your words. When I think about Nehemiah, Nehemiah got a report that things were bad back home and, and the Bible says that Nehemiah, for a season kept his countenance very sober. He stopped speaking. He stopped declaring. He stopped talking. And the king saw that Nehemiah was in a, in, in a, in a scenario that was obviously something wrong. And Nehemiah allowed the king to see that side of him. And the king went to Nehemiah and said, what's wrong? Why are you the way you are? And it was his silence and his ability not to try to defend himself or do it his way that got the audience of the king that turned his life completely around and saw the restoration of the walls being built because he refused to say something dumb. He just kept himself, kept to himself, kept quiet to himself. You know what? I don't know how many of you ever talk to yourself. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you do that a lot. I do it all the time. And usually I'm saying, that was the stupidest thing you've done all day long. What in the world were you thinking? What are you? And I, you know, some of the things I say. And, and so yesterday, just for the fun of it, I decided, you know what? I'm, I am not going to speak anything negative, anything critical, anything out of order. Uh, Brother Jerry and I went in the woods. We were in a tree stand early. And I said, I am not, I, I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to be careful all day long. Well, somehow, when I was climbing the tree, the bottom part of my stand that was supposed to be tied to the top part fell. And I'm halfway in the tree, and my, I'm sitting on my seat, and I can't reach the... Well, you don't even want to know what I told that tree stand in that few seconds. I mean, you know, but it's like, here I am. So I slide off the seat and hold onto the top of the, of the stand, and I stick my feet... And I managed to, and, it, and I broke into a sweat. I got, I got, first of all, I got, I got scared because I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want Jerry to come pick me up and see me hanging from the, from the tree stand. Can't get my feet, can't get, so, so finally 
I managed to get this, the thing up. I get, and, then, and then I was talking to myself. I said, you know what? You're probably one of the stupidest people I've ever met today. And so it didn't take very long in my vow not to say anything dumb or stupid or critical or negative. It didn't take very long that, that I, I broke that oath. I mean, it's just it, sometimes we allow our mouth to run like a machine gun. And there's been, there's been, a, there's been a commercial let me make sure and tell this correct. There, there's a commercial. I think it's a car insurance commercial. I don't know that it's Geico or which one it is. But, at, but, but, but Hot Rod, at the end of the commercial, there's some guy that comes on and says, I'm just going to 3%. How many heard that? And they, he's like, he talks like, I promise you it's got to be like 80 words a second. And what he's saying there's some hidden clauses in this commercial. What he's saying is there are, there are some boundaries here. Or what he's saying is this ain't all that in a bag of chips. There, there's some details here you need to know. And that's the way they tell you. So fast you're sitting there going, my Lord, so I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to repeat what the guy said. And then out of the blue, I mean, it had to be God. It just was a God thing. Out of the blue, John Travolta said, I got chills of desire and I'm losing control. And then Olivia jumps in, better shape up because I need. And then they go, you're the one that I ever want. Are you with me? Okay, I couldn't say it. I could not, I could not say it as fast as they could say it. I'm thinking... How in the world did they talk so fast? And then I was sitting in the car and I looked over and here's this lady talking on the phone and she's not holding on the steering wheel, but she's got the phone and her hands are like doing karate chop. It's like she's leading an orchestra. It's like, and I said, you know what? If you cut her hands off, she couldn't talk. Some of us need our hands cut off and that will help us to refrain from saying from the, some of the stupid, stupid, stupid things that we say. If you will, go with me. Do, do we have John 14 and 30? If you have that for me. I want to tell you what's going on here. Jesus is headed to the cross. And he knows that in Jerusalem there is a plot to have him arrested. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be abandoned by his disciples. And there's an attack of the enemy that is coming his way. And I want you to notice how Jesus responds to a storm. How Jesus responds to a bad day. How Jesus responds to the fact of knowing he's going to be horrifically murdered. He's going to drink a cup that pays for the sins of mankind, past, present, and future. The dregs, I can't even explain to you the horror of that responsibility of paying the penalty for every sin that had ever been committed. He knew where he was headed. He knew what was going on. He's preparing the disciples, say, hey, I'm getting ready to hit the greatest storm of my life, the greatest attack of my life, the most horrific thing that's ever happened to me. I'm getting ready to step into that season. And notice his attitude towards this season as he says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the rule of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Is there one more verse there? I don't need it. That's good. Here's what he's saying. Jesus said, I've shared with you all I'm going to share with you about this. We know that there is a thief that comes to steal and kill, but I'm come that you might have life. He declares in this world, you have privilege to be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So he has already prepped the disciples for this hour 
that he's about to survive, this hour he's about to go through. Knowing he's headed towards a storm, knowing he's headed towards a bad place in his life, he chose not to say anything about it. Because if he would have commented on the prophecies that he was about to fulfill, he could have said something negative. He could have said something out of order. He could have said something judgmental. He could have said something critical. I don't know how many of you can relate from the time it takes for the police officer to get from his car to your car to roll down your window. I don't know if, if you've ever been in that scenario before. I know Angel has recently. But it's, it's funny that as that officer is approaching your car, you might not be saying it out loud, but you're thinking a whole lot of thoughts. Hello, you're thinking. Of, but, but Jesus, knowing he was headed towards this, he chose not to make a lot of statements. He chose not to do a lot of talking because sometimes when we get bad news, let me rephrase that. Most time, always when we get bad news, our first response is to feel like a wounded murderer. Our first response is to feel like we've been neglected or we've been violated or we've been abandoned or we've been, we've been hurt or we've been wounded. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's, it's almost like right after a, a, a bad thing happens and I wanted the body to know that someone very dear to me, someone that loves me very, very much and listened to my sermons on podcasts and was always calming, went to be at the Lord, Sonia Merkel's sister, Geneva. We're not sure if it was a heart attack and I was asked to speak at the funeral, but it's not until Tuesday, so I'm not going to be able, not be able to do that. But you know, when, when I begin to call the family and begin to encourage them, just begin to let them know that I'm praying for them, let them know, all of them had a tendency to say, if only I had done this, or if only I had done that. One family member said, we got in a little fuss, and the last thing that I said, I said to her was, was, and I said, you know what? You can't judge yourself in the relationship based upon that, that moment. It's all the days and weeks and months, all the good times, all the wonderful memories, all the fun times. Those are the things you need to focus on. Not that, not that you had a little squabble, you had a little fight, you had a little, little, little thing like that. I know I personally have a friend that had some words with a 16-year-old teenage daughter, bad, bad argument, bad. She got in a car, drove off, and got in a wreck and died. And, and for a long, long time, he beat himself up over things that he said in, in, in a time that he probably shouldn't have, however that plays out. But now that his daughter, he could never make it right. He could never, I don't think God holds those things against us. I, I really don't. But it's easy sometimes, like when you run over something on the freeway and you get a flat tire, the first words out of your mouth, or you back into your wife's or your daughter's car, the first words out of your mouth. We usually fail to respond correctly when something bad happens. Rather than a response, so I like that first responders. The first responders get there, they make a difference. But a lot of us, instead of responding, we react. And most of us react with verbiage that comes out of our mouth. And first thing you know, man, we said so many, we've said something negative, we've spoken prophetically against ourselves. And that's why when he was Isaiah 53 and 7, where it says he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for the chest, and what his stripes were healed. It says, as a lamb is led to, let's read it together. 53. That's okay. Um, Chris Stanton quoted Isaiah 53 and 7. See, you could have read it and, and you could act like you were, not cool? <laughs> he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. To me, that was a revelation. That was a... 
that was a revelation to me today. That, that, that was a, that was a um, it was like he didn't respond. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, what knee jerk, I guess, is a thing that I'm looking for. Of all the things, listen, the word said, not me, the word said he could have called 10,000 angels. Hey, he could have called 10 million angels. He could have called fire. He could have called anything that he wanted. If he could turn a snake into a stick, he could do anything. Yet he chose not to make a statement. He chose not to make a declaration. And from the cross, he only said three things. It is finished. Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. And woe and behold your son. Even, even when he was being murdered, the things that come out of his mouth was all about restoration and healing. And what a pattern what an example for us to follow through. Guys, I don't know if we're going to be able to get all these scriptures, but let's try to get some of them. The hardest time, and this is me personally, uh, I, don't, I don't know where you're out of it, but Jerry, here's where I'm at. The hardest time I have concerning my mouth, my mind, my mood, my attitude, is during a storm. Mark 4 and 35, we know the, we know the story. He just fed the multitude. And he tells the disciples, let us go over to the side. Those words, when you learn what happens in the storm, you will see that he will speak to the storm. Later, you'll see him walking upon the water. This was a, on the other side of where they were going with Jesus was another dimension. I believe there are times in our life when God wants to say, promotion is coming. Your blessing is on its way. Come up higher. Step into a new dimension. Can anybody relate? Yes. So, so we love the beginning of that journey because we've just fed the multitude. We've seen miracles. We're pumped. We're high. We're in the boat with Jesus. We're chilling. We're headed to the other side of the... So, so everybody likes the beginning of the journey and everybody likes the end of the journey. But Tony, right there in the middle... You know, here's when you were born, here's where you die, and there's that slash, that hashtag there, right there. A lot of us don't like the middle because in the middle there are usually temptations, trials, storms, negative. I mean, who wants to be in a hurricane in a little boat and Jesus is asleep? Hello, do I have any takers in that? That's not on my bucket list. That's not something that I would want to see happen. So we like when God says, okay, come up hither, we're going for it, let's go to the side. And then we like it when he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But we don't like the middle part. We don't like that. We don't like all that stuff going on, all those things taking place. Uh, notice, if you will, Hebrews 10 and 23. Do you have that? I thought this was such a, and, and then we're going to look at, at Zechariah 9 and 12. Hope deferred. What is this? What is, let's read it together. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that wavereth, for he that is faithful, promised. Is there more to that? There's more than that. Do we have another verse there? Well, that's a good verse, but that's what I'm looking for. The verse I'm looking for is the ability. How about Zechariah 9 and 12? You got that? Let's see what that says. Maybe that will. That was Hebrews 10 and 23, right? I must have written something down. I hate it when that happens. Let's go to uh, Zechariah 9 and 12. Watch this. Turn you to the stronghold, 
ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. I love that. A lot of people are captured by infatuation. A lot of people are controlled by emotion. Some people are manipulated through fear or anger. But Zechariah says that we are to be prisoners of hope. I spoke last week to a person that has lost all hope. I spoke last week to a person that if there was the ability to take their life and, not, and, and make sure they went to heaven, they would do that. I spoke to a person last, night, last, last week that every good thing in his life had come to closure and he was despondent and he was ready he was ready to give up. The past 12 years of his life, every day has been a Bible study. He's written several books. He's led several in praise and worship. He's raised up several praise and worship teams. He's been to five different prisons, and every prison he has gone to, Voice of Evangelism Ministries gave me all of their material. So now in five prisons, all of Perry Stones, his teachings, videos, DVDs, books are all in these prisons, and that was some the difference that this one person has made, the books he's written, things he's done, but he's at a place right now where I have no hope. And when you lose your hope, you lose your faith. When you lose your faith, you lose, your, you lose that attitude of that Mr. Can frog that's going to keep swimming till the milk turns to butter. But Zacharias said, we are prisoners of hope. And not only is God going to do for you what he said he was going to do for you, but he said, I'm going to do double. I don't know how many of you have ever played double or nothing. It's kind of a risky. You never know what direction you're going in. But instead of one pot, the double or nothing is that you get both pots. And that's exactly what God said. If you'll stay faithful and consistent, be careful what you say. Be careful what you speak. Realize that you're a prisoner of hurt. I'm going to visit your place, and I'm going to bless you double. Does that excite anybody in the, in the house? Yes. James 3 and 10, the guys are going to go real quick and say, how can there be a fountain of water that produces bitter water and sweet water. And Linda, yesterday, it was Friday. Friday I went to where I usually go two or three times uh, a, a week is Wendy's. I usually pull through. They recognize my voice. They know it's me. They all greet me. I have a, I have a fan club at Wendy's. I take them fudge. I, take them, oh my. I mean, they actually, they actually, they really do love me. I dropped my license one time, and they held on to it, and they were fighting over who was going to give it back to me. It really is cute. It really is precious. But I, I went through the drive-thru Friday, and I ordered double cheeseburger with a, with a, ice, with a just double cheeseburgers, $5.11. It's always five. It's never, it's always $5.11. I got it ready. So when I get, I drive through the, the, they hand me my order. I put the seat up, pay attention. I'm headed to the paper to put an ad in the paper about a rental, and I go to get my hamburger, and it's a box of fries. It's, a fr it's fries in my bag. That's, that's my lunch. So I ran two or three errands, so I pulled in the Wendy's, walked in, Courtney greeted by all of my, my friends there and all my loved ones, and then I held up my, my bag. She said, you got, you got the fries. I, you got the fries. I said, yeah. How did you know that? So, well, somebody came through. They couldn't pay for them. It was ahead of your order. said, we are so sorry. I said, what, what can I... What, you know, what, 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 what can I do to bless you? What can I, you know, you had to, and I said, well, I like a medium iced tea, half sweet, half unsweet, lonely ice. That's the way I always get it. So she hands me my cup, and I look at it like, hello? There's, hello? She said, oh, we've changed some things lately. And so I went there where all the, of the, 
the uh, ketchup and the salt and the napkins and the straws. There's this big aluminum container, and this puppy is bad to the bone. It's got this little inlet. You stick your cup in there. The ice comes out, and then there's, I think I counted, 18 choices. 18 choices. I could have had Pepsi. I could have Mountain Dew. I could have had Sprite. I could have had Dr. Pepper. I could have had tea. I could have had, and, then, and, and I could have had lemonade. I realized this is what James didn't get to see in his lifetime. This fountain has bitter lemonade, and it has sweet iced tea. So I can answer James. How can, what, what, what did James say? Are we still there? Are we close? No, the other James. Oh, you know what? I'm right here at it. Three and ten. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? Well, before Wendy's created this cool toy, no. It, the, the fountain was either fresh or it was bitter. And I think that's, that's the, the encouragement there, Proverbs 8, 6, and 8. Do you have that, Austin? Thank you. This is, a, I think, Herefore I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall, I shall be right. See, the opening of my mouth shall be right things. Verse 7. The other seven. Okay, verse eight. And the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. What a, what a statement from a guy that didn't know how to say I don't. Anybody get it? Did you get it? Who didn't get it? David, you can get it. You graduated from Lee College, you didn't get it. <laughs> Solomon said, I do, 300 times. 300 times. He had 700 girlfriends. 300 wives and 700 girlfriends. Don't even go there. Don't even, don't even, don't even go there. But he is the one that's saying, hey, blessing and righteousness is going to come out of my mouth. He's guarding the words from his mouth. We need to hurry because I, is it really 10 after 12? David, reach up and turn the clock back to 10 till 12 and we'll, we'll jump into the, um, James 1 and 26 tells us to broaden the tongue. James 3, 3 and 5 says a rudder can turn a big ship. A little spark can cause a forest fire. I remember we were at the lake one day and the whole mountain was on fire, literally, and we had to get the truck, remember, and get the skis out of there. And I, the next day, the first responder is a friend of mine, Roger Turpin. I said, what in the world happened? And they said, somebody threw out a cigarette. Somebody threw out a, a, a cigarette, and it burnt the whole mountain. One little, one little fire off a cigarette burnt the whole mountain. I was thinking about things that are snared by their mouth. And Pastor Todd, this is probably, you're close to your cue. Not at your cue, cue to that, but close. Okay, when I think about snaring things by their mouth, Tony knows what I'm saying. Hot Rod knows what I'm saying. Angel knows what I'm saying. Ashley knows what I'm saying. Is that fish are caught because of the things that they put in their mouth. 
I wrote down some things here, and this is not a bucket list. This is not brag. This is just fact. I caught an 18-foot shark in Naples, Florida, that dragged the boat three miles. We had 30 boats around to see what I caught. I caught a 500-pound Jewfish, which is a grouper that once they get 500, they're protected by the state of Florida. The guy was fishing. We pulled the fish on boat, weighed it, and put it back in there. I've caught a 260-pound halibut in Alaska. I've caught a 30-pound snook in, in Florida, which is absolutely unheard of. I've caught several 10-pound bass. I've caught a 30-pound catfish. I've caught a 35-pound carp. I've caught a 50-pound king salmon in Alaska. And I caught a 4-pound rainbow trout in Montana. I've caught a lot of fish. If you were to ask me today what would be my favorite bait, there, it's a twofold. This is, what is this? Hot rod? It's a ribbit. It's a ribbit frog. This and the chartreuse buzzbait are my two favorite lures because this right here, I mean, isn't that cool looking? And when, and when, you, when you throw it out there, you can, you, can, you, can, you can fish it like retrieving like that, like, a, like it's a frog going to church, or it can like a frog shopping, stop. And what happens is that, that fish looks up at there. Okay, that fish doesn't see. No. It might be the horny toad. I always get confused. You've, is that a ribbit? Is that a ribbit? Here, be blessed. <laughs> that, that, that fish, that, that bait right there will catch fish. I've got to a place now that I've become such a good fisherman. I have had a special lure made just for me. It came in the mail. Pastor Todd, do you have my special lure? The next time I go fishing, this is the lure I'm going to use. Now, those of you listening by podcast, I'm sorry. You know what? I've, I've never tried it, but I believe this lure would actually work to catch a king, one of those king, uh, what do you call them? Swordfish. Uh, the, the, and why? I mean, you never know. Isn't that a cool? Isn't that a, and of course, of course, you know that I'm being, I'm being facetious, that I, I don't know there's a fish in my lake that would, thank you, Pastor Todd. I don't know that there's a fish in my lake that would bite that. But when I think about snared in the mouth, I'm getting ready to celebrate 36 years being clean. 36 years being clean. But I'm not factoring in the hook that was placed in my jaw, a seventh grader at Alondra Junior High School. I remember the day, I believe, if we went back, if that school is still there, I believe I could take you within 30 feet of the place where the enemy first snared me and began a road of bondage that went to shooting coke between my toes, free base and all that stuff. But the, but the way the enemy used to bait me, it wasn't by giving me a needle. It wasn't giving an ounce of cocaine. The way the enemy baited me was right here. This was right here. This is the first hook that the enemy put in my jaw. And I've learned in restoration, not only is this the first hook the enemy uses, but it's the last hook that we deal with in our freedom. Am I telling the truth? I've watched people give up huffing gas, morphine, heroin, pills, alcohol, but yet they can give all that up. It's tough to give this up. It's such a little, it's such a little thing. Doesn't seem, it seems to be harmless. Of course, we know right now that it kills, it causes cancer. We know, we know all the things attached to that. But in seventh grade, I didn't, have a, I didn't have a clue, but the enemy knew how to present that just right. And I, as I reflect back, Jerry, I look back at, at every single 
experiment with drugs was always through peer pressure. Someone gave me a beer. Someone gave me a joint. Someone gave me a line of coke. Someone gave me pills. It was, it was, it was, it was wanting to fit in. It was wanting to be popular. It was wanting to, to go with the flow. And I look back, and, and, and of course, there's a, lot of, there's a window there of years that I regret, of things that, I, of things that I did that I shouldn't have done. But I look back now, and God has allowed it to be a testimony and a witness of those that's only been clean three months. You've been clean three months. You can be clean 36 years, but it's one day at a time, one step at a time, one decision at a time. And you need to be careful what you put in your mouth and what you put in your mouth usually comes from what you think in your brain. I will close. I am not done, but I want to close. I want to close with a revelation. Man, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll do the rest of this when I come back. Let me conclude with this. Jesus, knowing that Lazarus was sick, gets a report, tells the disciples he's sleeping. They question him. His sleep was death. He knew Lazarus was dead. Waited four days. Went to the home of Mary and Martha. They both greeted him with a negative. Both of them. Get the worshiper and the worker. Martha did all the cooking. Mary did all the worship. So, so everybody falls under the same umbrella. Do you see this? Something bad happened. My brother is dead. If you would have been here, he would be alive. You see it? If you would have, it's, it's, it's almost like a slap in the face of Jesus. How dare you let me walk through this by myself? How dare you let me get pregnant? How dare you let me have an abortion? How dare you let me get bankrupt? How dare you let me? A lot of times it's so easy to blame somebody else for life. Stuff happens, guys. It just, it just happens. It rains on good people. It rains on bad people. People we love dearly die before they're supposed to, and it hurts. It's just the way this, this, this globe turns at 1,000 miles an hour. Things happen. But both of them told him, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, he would have lived. Next words out of his mouth, I'm the resurrection of life. You, be, you believe in me, you'll never die. And then he goes, Alex, to the, to the tomb. He says, roll away the stone. And notice to have a miracle, to have, a, to have what God wants us to have, there is some work on our part. Susan, he could have... He could, have, he could have rolled the stone away mentally. Are, are you seeing this? But there was something they had to do to exercise their faith. Well, God, this job is dead. This wife, this relationship is dead. This parenting is dead. My emotions are dead. It's in, the, it's in those storms of life is when usually God will speak the clearest and the strongest. And if you can look over all the bad stuff happening and respond, he said, roll away the stone. They interrupted him, but now he stinks. If they hadn't interrupted him, he said, roll away the stone and see the glory of God. Now, here's the humorous part that I, that I want to share with you. They rolled away the stone and Jesus said, Lazarus. And it's a good thing he said Lazarus. Had he said, come forth. There'd be 3,000 resurrected from the dead. Can you, could you imagine that? But here's the funny part. Lazarus did not walk out of that tomb. 
He didn't levitate out of that tomb. The word said that when he came out of the tomb, his hands and his feet were bound. Go with me to this funeral. He's dead. They're sad. They're crying. They're hurting. Everybody there. I, I, if, you were, if you were to rate faith on a, on a one to ten, the faith that Jesus could do something was probably around two. If you'd have been here earlier, it'd have been a ten. But this is, this is you know, we're going to do it. You say, we're going to roll away the stone and we're going to go back and, and eat some of Joe's dessert so we're not stressed. And that's, that's, that's our plans for the afternoon. Okay, they're at a funeral. They're grieving. They're crying. Jesus is crying. Roll away the stone and see the glory of God. And then all of a sudden, out of that tomb, like a rabbit, Lazarus hops out of the tomb. And what was once sorrow and hurt and grief, they start laughing. How funny would it be to see a mummy, hello, he's wrapped like a mummy, start hopping like, like, a, like a, I mean, would that not be crazy? And sometimes in your darkest hour, in your darkest, your darkest moment, that's when God will shine the brightest and let you see that where you're at, it's only for a season. This storm's going to pass. You're going to walk on water. You're going to get to the side. You're going to see the promotion. You're going to see the blessing. Just guard your mouth. Can we pray? Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let me begin to actually filter 